Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 74 to 75 and in the previous episode we read chapters 72 to 73 and we last end off on, ended off on Leo and Hazel meeting another monster. The name's Pacify and in this chapter we're going to now look into more of what's going to happen as, or rather I should say the sorceress, as what the sorceress will end up doing to Hazel and Leo and what Hazel and Leo will have to figure out in order to get out of this mess and help their friends come with them to the doors of death. So now we're going to read chapter 74, Hazel. Hazel's internal compass spun wildly. She remembered when she was very small in New Orleans in the late 1930s. Her mother had taken her to the dentist to get a bad tooth pulled. It was the first and only time Hazel had ever received ether. The dentist promised it would make her sleepy and relaxed, but Hazel felt like she was floating away from her own body, panicky and out of control. When the ether wore off, she'd been sick for three days. This felt like a massive dose of ether. Ether. Part of her knew she was still in the cavern. Pacifay stood only a few feet in front of them. Clidius waited silently at the doors of death. But layers of mist enfolded Hazel, twisting her sense of reality. She took one step forward and bumped into a wall that should have been there. Leo pressed his hand against the stone. What the heck? Where are we? A corridor stretched out to their left and right. Torches guttered in iron sconces. The air smelled of mildew, as in an old tomb. On Hazel's shoulder, Gale barked angrily, digging her claws into Hazel's collarbone. Yes, I know, Hazel muttered to the weasel. It's an illusion. Leo pounded on the wall. Pretty solid illusion. Pacifay laughed. Her voice sounded watery and far away. Is it an illusion, Hazel Levesque, or something more? Don't you see what I have created? Hazel felt so off balance she could barely stand, much less think straight. She tried to extend her senses to see through the mist and find the cavern again. But all she felt were tunnels splitting off in a dozen directions going everywhere except forward random thoughts glinted in her mind like gold nuggets coming to the surface Daedalus, the minotaur locked away died slowly in my new domain the labyrinth hazel said she's remaking the labyrinth what now leo had been tapping the wall with a ball peen hammer but he turned and frowned at her i thought the Labyrinth collapsed during the battle at Camp Half-Blood. Like, it was connected to Daedalus's life force or something, and then he died. Pacifay's voice clucked disapprovingly. Ah, but I am still alive. You credit Daedalus with all the maze's secrets? I breathed magical life into his labyrinth. Daedalus was nothing compared to me. The immortal sorceress, daughter of Helios, sister of Circe. Now... The labyrinth will be my domain. It's an illusion, Hazel insisted. We just have to break through it. Even as she said it, the walls seemed to grow more, more solid, the smell of mildew more intense. Too late, too late, Pacific crooned. The maze is already awake. It will spread under the skin of the earth once more while your mortal world is leveled. You demigods, you heroes will wander its corridors, dying slowly of thirst and fear and misery. Or perhaps, if I'm feeling merciful, you will die quickly in great pain. 
Holes opened in the floor beneath Hazel's feet. She grabbed Leo and pushed him aside as a row of spikes shot upward, impaling the ceiling. Run! she yelled. Pacifay's laughter echoed down the corridor. Where are you going, young sorceress? Running from an illusion? Hazel didn't answer. She was too busy trying to stay alive. Behind them, row after row, spikes shot toward the ceiling with a persistent thunk, thunk, thunk. She pulled Leo down a side corridor, leaped over a tripwire, and stumbled to a halt in front of a pit 20 feet across. How deep is that? Leo gasped for breath. His pant legs were ripped and where one of the spikes had grazed him. Hazel's senses told her that the pit was at least 50 feet straight down, with the pool of poison at the bottom. Could she trust her senses? Whether or not Pasive had created a new labyrinth, Hazel believed they were still in the same cavern, being made to aimless, run aimlessly back and forth while Pasife and Clidius watched in amusement. Illusion or not, unless Hazel could figure out how to get out of this maze, the traps would kill them. Eight minutes now, said the voice of Pasife. I'd love to see you survive. Truly, that would prove you worthy sacrifices to Gaia and Athens. But then, of course, we wouldn't need your friends in the elevator. Hazel's heart pounded. She faced the wall to her left, despite what her senses told her that should be the direction of the doors. Pacifei should be right in front of her. Hazel wanted to burst down the wall and throttle the sorceress. In eight minutes, she and Leo needed to be at the doors of death to let their friends out. But Pasifae was an immortal sorceress with thousands of years of experience in weaving spells. Hazel couldn't defeat her through sheer willpower. She'd managed to fool the bandit Skyron by showing him what he expected to see. Hazel needed to figure out what Pasifae wanted most. Seven minutes now, Pasifae lamented. If only we had more time. So many indignities I'd like you to suffer. That was it, Hazel realized. She had to run the gauntlet. She had to make the maze more dangerous, more spectacular. Make Pasifei focus on the traps rather than the direction the labyrinth was leading. Leo, we're going to jump, Hazel said. But it's not as far as it looks. Go! She grabbed his hand and they launched them across the pit. When they landed, Hazel looked back and saw no pit at all. Just a three-inch crack in the floor. Come on, she urged. They ran as the voice of Pasifae droned on. Oh dear, no. You'll never survive that way. Six minutes. The ceiling above them cracked apart. Gale the weasel squeaked in alarm, but Hazel imagined a new tunnel leading off to the left. A tunnel even more dangerous, going the wrong direction. The mist softened under her will. The tunnel appeared and they dashed toward one side. Pasifae sighed with disappointment. You really aren't very good with this, my dear. But Hazel felt a spark of hope. She'd created a tunnel. She'd driven a small wedge into the magic fabric of the labyrinth. The floor collapsed under them. Hazel jumped to one side, dragging Leo with her. She imagined another tunnel veering back the way they'd come, but full of poisonous gas. The maze obliged. Leo, hold your breath, she warned. They plunged through the toxic fog. Hazel's eyes felt like they were being rinsed in pepper juice, but she kept running. Five minutes, Pasifae said. Alas, if only I could watch you suffer longer. They burst into a corridor with fresh air. Leo coughed. <coughs> if only she would shut up. They ducked under a bronze garrote wire. 
Hazel imagined the tunnel curving back toward Pasifae ever so slightly. The mist bent to her will. The walls of the tunnel began to close in on either side. Hazel didn't try to stop them. She made them close faster, shaking the floor and cracking the ceiling. She and Leo ran for their lives, following the curves as they brought them closer to what she hoped was the center of the room. A pity, said Pasifae. I wish I could kill you and your friends in the elevator, but Gaia had insisted that two of you must be kept alive until the Feast of Hope, when your blood will be put to good use. Ah, well, I will have to find other victims for my labyrinth. You two have been second-rate failures. Hazel and Leo stumbled to a stop. In front of them stretched a chasm so wide Hazel couldn't see the other side. From somewhere below in the darkness came the sound of hissing. Thousands and thousands of snakes. Hazel was tempted to retreat, but the tunnel was closing behind them, leaving them, leaving them stranded on a tiny ledge. Gail the weasel paced across Hazel's shoulders and farted with anxiety. Okay, okay, Leo muttered. The walls are moving parts. They've got to be mad and mechanical. Give me a second. No, Leo, Hazel said. There's no way back, but... Hold my hand, she said. On three. But... Three! What? Hazel leaped into the pit, pulling Leo with her. She tried to ignore his screaming and flatulent weasel clinging, clinging to her neck. She bent all her will into redirecting the magic of the labyrinth. Pasifae laughed with delight, knowing that any moment they would be crushed or bitten, in, bitten to death in a pit of snakes. Instead, Hazel imagined a chute in the darkness just to their left. She twisted in midair and fell toward it. She and Leo hit the chute hard and slid into the cavern, landing right on top of Pasifae. The sorcerer's head smacked against the floor as Leo sat down hard on her chest. For a moment, the three of them and the weasel were a pile of sprawling bodies and flailing limbs. Hazel tried to draw her sword, but Pacify managed to extricate herself first. The sorceress backed away, her hairdo bent sideways like a collapsed cake. Her dress was smeared with grease stains from Leo's tool belt. You miserable wretches! She howled. The maze was gone. A few feet away, Clidius stood with his back to him watching the doors of death. By Hazel's calculations, they had about 30 seconds until their friends arrived. Hazel felt exhausted from her run through the maze while controlling the mist, but she needed to pull off one more trick. She had successfully made Pacifae see what she had most desired. Now Hazel had to make the sorceress see what she most feared. You must really hate demigods, Hazel said, trying to mimic Pacifae's cruel smile. We always get the best of you, don't we, Pacifae? Nonsense! screamed Pasifae. I will tear you apart. I will. We're already pulling the rug out from under your feet, Hazel sympathized. Your husband betrayed you. Theseus killed a minotaur and stole your daughter Ariadne. Now, two second rate failures have turned your own maze against you. But you knew it would come to this, didn't you? You always fall in the end. I am immortal! Pasifae wailed took a step back, fingering her necklace. You cannot stand against me. You can't stand at all, Hazel said. Look. She pointed at the feet of the sorceress. A trap door opened underneath Pasifae. She fell, screaming into a bottomless pit that didn't really exist. The floor solidified. The sorceress was gone. Leo stared at Hazel in amazement. How did you... Just then, the elevator dinged. dinged. Rather than pushing the up button, Clidia stepped back from the controls, keeping their friends trapped inside. Leo! Hazel yelled. 
They were 30 feet away, much too far to reach the elevator, but Leo pulled a screwdriver and chucked it like a throwing knife. An impossible shot, the screwdriver spun straight past Clidius and slammed into the updoor. The doors of death opened with a hiss. Black smoke billowed out and two bodies spilled face first onto the floor. Percy and Annabeth, limp as corpses. Hazel sobbed. Oh, gods. She and Leo started forward, but Clidius raised his hand in an unmistakable gesture. Stop. He lifted his massive reptilian foot over Percy's head. The giant smoky shroud poured over the floor, covering Annabeth and Percy in a pool of dark fog. Clidius, you've lost, Hazel snarled. Let them go, or you'll end up like Pasiphae. The giant tilted his head. His diamond eyes gleamed at his feet. Annabeth lurched like she'd hit a power line. She rolled on her back, black smoke coiling from her mouth. I am not Pasiphae. Annabeth spoke in a voice that wasn't hers. The words as deep as a bass guitar. Hmm. You have won nothing. Stop that. Even from 30 feet away, Hazel could sense Annabeth's life force wandering, her pulse becoming thready. Whatever Clidius was doing, pulling words from her mouth, it was killing her. Clidius nudged Percy's head with his foot. Percy's face lolled to one side. Not quite dead, the giant's words boomed from Percy's mouth. A terrible shock to the mortal body. I would imagine, coming back from Tartarus, they'll be out for a while. He turned his attention back to Annabeth. More smoke poured from between her lips. I'll tie them up and take them to Porphyrian in Athens. Just the sacrifice we need. Unfortunately, that means I have no further use for you two. Oh yeah? Leah growled. Well, maybe you got the smoke, buddy, but I've got the fire. His hands blazed. He shot white-hot columns of flame at the giant, but Clidius' smoky aura absorbed them on impact. Tendrils of black haze traveled back up the lines of fire, snuffing out the light and heat and covering Leo in darkness. Leo fell to his knees, clutching at his throat. No! Hazel ran toward him, but Gale chattered urgently on her shoulder, a clear warning. I would not, Clidius's voice reverberated from Leo's mouth. You do not understand, Hazel Levesque. I devour magic. I destroy the voice and the soul. You cannot oppose me. Black fog spread farther across the room, covering Annabeth and Percy, billowing toward Hazel. Blood roared in Hazel's ears. She had to act. But how? If that black smoke could incapacitate Leo so quickly, what chance did she have? Fire, she stammered in a small voice. You're supposed to be weak against it. The giant chuckled, using Annabeth's vocal cords this time. You were counting on fire, eh? It is true that I do not like fire, but Leo Valdez's fame flames are not strong enough to trouble me. Somewhere behind Hazel, a soft, lyrical voice said, What about my flames, old friend? Gale squeaked excitedly and jumped from Hazel's shoulder, Scampering to the entrance of the cavern where a blonde woman stood in a black dress, the mist swirling around her. Oh, my bad. 
Somewhere behind Hazel, a soft, lyrical voice said, What about my flames, old friend? Gail squeaked excitedly and jumped from Hazel's shoulder, scampering to the entrance of the cavern where a blonde woman stood in a black dress, the mist swirling around her. The giant stumbled backward, bumping into the doors of death. You, he said from Percy's mouth. Me, Hecate said, agreed. She spread her arms, blazing torches appeared in her hands. It has been millennia since I fought at the side of a demigod, but Hazel Levesque has proven herself worthy. What do you say, Clitius? Shall we play with fire? And that's the end of chapter 74. I apologize for that little mix-up at the end, um, but I just wanted to provide you guys the most authentic experience possible. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. That was that that ending was awesome to say the least. Um, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see Hecate be able to fight against Clodius, and it's really surprising to see that because you know in past books we haven't seen you know Hecate be so nice to demigods at least. So it's going to be it's 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 going to be interesting to see why the sudden change of heart, if that makes sense. Um, and why she decided to help out Hazel, even if she was worthy, why, why, why did, you know, she would think this is a good idea and help her to be, and, you know, help her out. So lots of questions, but I am confident they'll be answered in the, in the, after the break in the next chapter. So we're going to go straight to a break and right after the break, we're going to read chapter 75, Hazel. So see you then. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 75, Hazel. If the giant had run away screaming, Hazel would have been grateful, and they all could have taken off the rest, could have taken the rest of the date off. Clodia has disappointed her. When he saw the goddess's torches blazing, the giant seemed to recover his wits. He stomped his foot, shaking the floor and almost stepping on Annabeth's arm. Dark smoke billowed around him until Annabeth and Percy were totally hidden. Hazel could see nothing but the giant's gleaming eyes. Bold words, Clitius spoke from Lydia's mouth. You forgot, goddess. When we last met, you had the help of Hercules and Dionysus, the most powerful heroes in the world. Both of them destined to become gods. Now you bring these? Leo's unconscious body contorted in pain. Stop it, Hazel yelled. She didn't plan what happened next. She simply knew she had to protect her friends. She imagined them behind her the same way she'd imagined new tunnels appearing in Pacifay's labyrinth. Leo dissolved. He appeared at Hazel's feet, along with Percy and Annabeth. The mist rolled around her, spilling over the stones and enveloping her friends. Where the white mist met the dark smoke of Clidius, it steamed and sizzled, like lava rolling into the sea. Leo opened his eyes and gasped. Whoa, what? Annabeth and Percy remained motionless, but Hazel could sense their heartbeats getting stronger their breath coming more evenly. On Hecate's shoulder, Gale the polecat barked with admiration. The goddess stepped forward, her dark eyes glittering in the torchlight. You're right, Clodius. Hazel Levesque is not Hercules or Dionysus, but I think you will find her just as formidable. Through the smoky shroud, Hazel saw the giant open his mouth. No words came out. Clodius sneered in frustration. Leo tried to sit up. What's going on? What can I... Watch Percy and Annabeth. Hazel drew her spatha. Stay behind me. Stay in the mist. But, 
The look Hazel gave him must have been more severe than she realized. Leo gulped. Yeah, got it. White mist, good. Black smoke, bad. Hazel advanced. The giant spread his arms. The dome ceiling shook. And the giant's voice echoed through the room, magnified a hundred times. Formidable, the giant demanded. It sounded as if he were speaking through a chorus of the dead, using all the unfortunate souls who had been buried, buried behind the dome's stelae. stelae. Because the girl has learned your magic tricks, Hecate. Because you allow these weaklings to hide in your mist. A sword appeared in the giant's hand, a Stygian iron blade, much like Nico's, except five times the size. I do not understand why Gaia would find any of these demigods worthy of sacrifice. I will crush them like empty nutshells. Hazel's fear turned to rage. She screamed, the walls of the chamber made a crackling sound like ice and warm water, and dozens of gems streaked down the giant, punching through his armor like buckshot. Clidius staggered backward, his disembodied, disembodied voice bellowed with pain. His iron breastplate was peppered with holes. Golden ichor trickled from a wound on his right arm. The shroud of darkness thinned. Hazel could see the murderous expression on his face. You, Clodius growled. You worthless, worthless, Hecate asked quietly. I'd say Hazel Levesque knows a few tricks even I could not teach her. Hazel stood in front of her friends, determined to protect him. Her energy was fading. Her sword was already heavy in her hand, and she hadn't even swung it yet. She wished Arian was here. She could use the horse's speed and strength. Unfortunately, her equine friend would not be able to help her this time. He was a creature of the wide-open spaces, not the underground. The giant dug his fingers into the wound on his biceps. He pulled out a diamond and flicked it aside. The wound closed. So, daughter of Pluto, Clidius rumbled. Do you really believe Hecate has your interests at heart? Circe was a favorite of hers and Medea and Pasiphae. How did they end up, eh? Behind her, Hazel heard Annabeth stirring, groaning in pain. Percy muttered something that sounded like, Bob? Bob? Bob. Clidia stepped forward, holding his sword casually at his side as if they were comrades rather than enemies. Hecate will not tell you the truth. She sends acolytes like you to do their, her bidding and take all the risk. If by some miracle you incapitate me, only then will she be able to set me on fire. Then she will claim the glory of the kill. You heard how Bacchus dealt with the Alodive twins in the Colosseum. Hecate is worse. She's a titan who betrayed the titans, then she betrayed the gods. Do you really think she will keep faith in you? Hecate's face was unreadable. I cannot answer his accusations, Hazel, said the goddess. This is your crossroads. You must choose. Yes, crossroads. The giant's laughter echoed. His wounds seemed to have healed completely. Hecate offers you obscurity choices, vague promises of magic. I am the anti-Hecate. I will give you truth. I will eliminate choices and magic. I will strip away the mist once and for all and show you the world in all its true horror. Leo struggled to his feet, coughing like an asthmatic. I'm loving this guy. <laughs> he wheezed. <laughs> Seriously, we should keep him around for inspirational seminars. <laughs> His hands ignited like blowtorches. Or, I could just light him up. Leo, no, Hazel said. My father's temple, my call. Yeah, okay, but... Hazel... Annabeth was wheezed. 
Nasal was so elated to hear her friend's voice that she almost turned, but she knew she shouldn't take her eyes off Clydeus. The, the chains, Annabeth managed. Hazel inhaled sharply. She'd been a fool. The doors of death were still open, shuddering against the chains that held them in place. Hazel had to cut them free so they would disappear and finally be beyond Gaia's reach. The only problem? A big, smoky giant stood in her way. You can't seriously believe you have the strength. Clidius chided. What will you do, Hazel of Esk? Pelt me with more rubies? Shower me with sapphires? Hazel gave him an answer. She raised her spatha and charged. Apparently, Clidius had, hadn't expected her to be quite so suicidal. He was slow raising his sword, but by the time he slashed, Hazel had ducked between his legs and jabbed her imperial gold blade into his gluteus maximus. Not very ladylike. The nuns at St. Agnes would have never approved, but it worked. Clidius roared and arched his back, waddling away from her. The mist swirled, still swirled around Hazel, hissing as if it met the giant's black smoke. Hazel realized that Hecate was assisting her, lending her the strength to keep up a defensive shroud. Hazel also knew that the instant her own concentration wavered and that darkness touched her, she would collapse. If that happened, she wasn't sure Hecate would be able to, or willing to stop the giant from crushing her and her friends. Hazel sprinted toward the doors of death. Her blade shattered the chains on the left side like they were made of ice. She lunged to the right, but Clidius yelled, No! By sheer luck, she wasn't cut in half. The flat of the giant's blade caught her in the chest and sent her flying. She slammed at the walls and felt bones crack. Across the room, Leo screamed her name. Through a blurry vision, she saw a flash of fire. Hecate stood nearby, her form shimmering as if she were about to dissolve. Her torches seemed to be flickering out, but that just might have been Hazel was starting to lose consciousness. She couldn't give up now. She forced herself to stand. Her side felt like it was embedded with razor blades. Her sword lay on the ground about five feet away. She staggered toward it. Clidius! She shouted. She meant it to sound like a brave challenge, but it came more as a croak. At least it got his attention. The giant turned from Leo and the others when he saw her limping forward. He laughed. A good try, Hazel Levesque, Clidius admitted. You did better than I anticipated, but magic alone cannot defeat me, and you do not have sufficient strength. Hecate has failed you as she fails all of her followers in the end. The mist around her was thinning. The under, at the other end of the room, Leo tried to force-feed Percy some ambrosia, though Percy was still pretty much out of it. Anbeth was awake, but struggling, barely able to lift her head. Hecate stood with her torches, watching and waiting, which infuriated Hazel so much she found one last burst of energy. She threw her sword not at the giant, but at the doors of death. The chains on the right shattered. Hazel collapsed in agony, her side burning, as the door shuddered and disappeared in a flash of purple light. Clidius roared so loudly that a half dozen stelae fell from the ceiling and shattered. Tell us from my brother, Nico, Hazel gasped and for destroying my father's altar. You have forfeited your right to a quick death, the giant snarled. I will suffocate you in darkness slowly, painfully. Hecate cannot help you. No one can help you. The goddess raised her torches. I would not be so certain, Clidius. Hazel's friends simply needed a little time to reach her. Time you have given them with your boasting and bragging. Clidius snorted. What friends? These weaklings? They are no challenge. In front of Hazel, the air rippled. The mist thickened, creating a doorway, and four people stepped through.
Hazel wept with relief. Frank's arm was bleeding and bandaged, but he was alive. Next to him stood Nico, Piper, and Jason, all with their swords drawn. Sorry, we're late, Jason said. Is this the guy who needs killing? And that's the end of chapter 75. Wow, this these two chapters, I must definitely say, has have not shied away from their surprising twists. I'll say that. For the first chapter, I had Hecate come in and give her those little bursts of energies that, in the beginning, it might seem very, very useless, but Hazel was able to break both of the chains and make the doors of death disappear forever, or at least that elevator that transports monsters from the underworld to the mortal world. So, I think this was kind of like a test for Hecate, as she was watching Hazel being able to pass the first part of the test in breaking those chains she was able to really accomplish something and prove to Hecate that she is worth of helping for so this was definitely a very this was definitely a great chapter I must say both chapters and next week we'll continue this by reading chapter 76 and 77 and we will see how exactly Jason and the gang will now beat Clodius or at least fight him I hope they beat him that'd be great but yes, now we're going to be moving on to the Q&A session. Um, before we start, I have heard a suggestion of doing the Q&A sessions at the end of the month instead. Um, I think that is a good idea. That way I'm also able to answer mo- more questions if needed. Um, so starting next month, I'll probably do that. But for the rest of August, I'll still continue with the daily, with the weekly Q&A sessions with every episode. And then we'll start. I'll start doing that in around september so stay tuned for that and yeah so now let's move on to the shout outs we have uh nicole uh your your fave spotify listener uh zava cassell emma bell and princess jordan thank you guys uh next question and now moving on to the questions we have number one do you like australia why or why not Um, I've never been, so I don't think I can potentially have the best opinion or anything regarding Australia, as a matter of fact, but it does seem to be a lovely country. I'd love to visit sometime. Uh, Next question is, why did you start a podcast? Um, Well, I wanted to, in a way, overcome some challenges and insecurities that I had of myself. And I think that starting a podcast and being able to read these Percy Jackson books and giving them another chance was really a great place for this podcast to start at. And giving that avenue was what it really mattered for. So I think that that is more of the reason why I started this podcast. Um, Next question is, favorite chapter in this book? I'd probably have to say it's the time when Leo met Calypso absolutely hilarious i mean you've got two clashing personalities a true enemies to lovers trope it's it's amazing i love that chapter that that even not even just that chapter that whole segment of you know leo and calypso was it was great uh next question is can you promote any other podcasts that you make on this channel of course i will um i'll also try maybe later this year set up uh, a social media account as well so it's easier for everyone all my fans to follow that and if I do end up making new podcasts, it'll probably be on there. So, yeah. Uh, so, so stay tuned for that. 
Uh, next question is, will you read The Hunger Games? Uh, potentially. Uh, that's actually another series that I also haven't read. So I'll probably, uh, that's going to be something that I potentially may start a podcast on as well. Uh, next question is, favorite Greek monster? Uh, probably have to be Bob the Small Cat. Uh, Bob, you know, Bob and Domison get, uh, you know, second and third. But Bob the Small Cat, definitely the winner. And Tyson. Tyson as well. Tyson is also there. Um, and Ella, of course. Um, but Bob the Small Cat wins. He, Bob the Small Cat is superior. Um, how many people did you think would listen to your podcast? In the beginning, I, I expected not a lot. I thought that even 20 was insane. And just thinking about those days then and how I have grown from there, how my fan, how, uh, you guys have grown, how this whole podcast has grown as a whole. It's, it's gen, it's really great to look at as a whole and i just want to say thank you guys you guys are the reason why this podcast grew and i think that the the person that that first started this podcast would have been bawling in tears from sheer happiness just seeing how far this podcast has grown from so i really would like to thank all of you guys for bringing this podcast to where it's come and it genuinely wouldn't have happened if it weren't for everybody uh, next question is, uh, do you support Nico being gay and liking Percy? Um, yeah, of course. I think that Nico liking Percy, I- I'll be honest, I did not uh, expect it at first. But after recounting all of the experiences that Nico has had with Percy, it really gave me the feeling of it wasn't exactly hatred. Uh, is he still mad at Percy for, you know, not keeping up his promise of of you know, keeping Bianca safe, yes, I, I, I definitely will, I will see that he's definitely mad at him for that, but it didn't feel like hatred, um, it was more of like, I'm mad at you, but I don't hate you, but there was still some weird feelings in the air when it came to Nico and Percy, so I think that this actually cleared up a lot of stuff, and yeah, I, I but I think that it would be great if, you know, Nico starts, um, you know, finding more comfort in his friends and being able to you know find the happiness that Bianca would have had wanted him to have um so I really hope that does happen in later on books I've heard uh I, I believe it was uh Solangelo uh is what I've been seeing in the comments I think that uh I'll probably be reading it and it's going to be I I, I hope it's the it's it's the book that makes Nico find the happiness that he once had um, when he was with Bianca, so, yeah, uh, next question is, how are you doing, I'm doing great, thanks, um, next question is, who would you, who would win in a fight, Gaia or the Titans and Olympian, Olympians, um, easily the Titans and Olympians, the reason is because Gaia is still in a slumber phase, um, that is not to say that she's not powerful, she's still powerful, she has tons of influence, but physically fighting, I'd probably say, the Titans and Olympians would win. I just think that their abilities combined are just way too powerful for even the gods. Not even I don't even think Zeus and Poseidon could compete with it. So, yeah. Uh, next question is: Do you speak any other languages? Uh, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I wouldn't say I'm fluent in it at all. Um, so, yeah. Next question is: If you could be any minor god, which one? Hypnos. 
gotta sleep. I love sleeping. Uh, next question is, who is your favorite Roman god? I'd probably say it's Bacchus, uh, Dionysus, the wine god. Um, reason is because I feel like his version, the version of him in his Roman god, was a lot less stressful, In that, if that makes sense. I think that he was very more laid back and chill. And Roman gods are usually known to be very, very competitive, uptight, strict. So I feel like it was rather a refresh, refresher to see Bacchus being opposite, still acting differently from Dionysus, but more in a, you know, chill, calm, tranquil way. So yeah, I'd probably say Bacchus for the most part. But yeah, that concludes our Q&A session. Uh, Thank you guys for giving all of your questions, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Once again, if I miss anyone's name or if I miss anyone's question, do please let me know in this episode, and I will try to get you in the next episode. And uh, a disclaimer on that, once again, um, if I don't answer any questions, it could be potentially that they're uncomfortable for me or um, at the moment, but that does not mean that's anything on you guys. You're free to ask them, just I don't want anybody feeling bad if I don't answer their questions. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you guys stay safe and stay out of boredom.